Welcome to Bandcamp. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Dan, and this is the podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why they were banned in the first place. And this season, we are reading The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, and there will absolutely be spoilers ahead because we're literally reading the book out loud. So everything coming out of Jen's mouth if she reads it is potentially a spoiler. And if you're okay with that, well, give us a couple seconds and we'll jump right in. If you're not okay with that, you can always head over to season four of Bandcamp and look for episode one and start there and catch up. Before Jennifer starts reading, we want to invite you to join our discussion on Instagram. You can follow us at Bandcamp underscore podcast. All right, now let's roll the robot in here. So uh, he's the third member of our team. He is going to get us up to speed and tell us where we left off in the last episode. Previously on Bandcamp, Huck and Jim's tranquil night on the Mississippi turns into a suspenseful encounter with devious burglars on a deserted steamboat. As they overhear plans of betrayal, their escape plan crumbles when their raft vanishes into the night. Trapped and facing danger, what bold move will Huck and Jim make next? You're about to find out. Okay, with that being said, let's begin chapter, oh, lucky 13 of Huckleberry Finn. Well, I catched my breath and most fainted. Shut up on a wreck with such a gang as that. But it weren't no time to be sentimentering. <laughs> I will take a word like that. You know what? That one makes sense. Because I know what sentimental means. And to make it a verb, I don't think there is right. a verb for that. I like it. We'd got to find that boat now. Had to have it for ourselves. So we went a quaking and shaking down the stabbered side, and slow work it was too. We struck for the stern of the Texas and found it, and then scrabbled along forwards on the skylight, hanging on from shutter to shutter, for the edge of the skylight was in the water. When we got pretty close to the cross hall door, there was the skiff, sure enough. Oh, it's their skiff? No, it's the, it's the robber's skiff. Yeah. I could just barely see her. I felt ever so thankful. In another second, I would have been aboard her, but just then the door opened. One of the men stuck his head out only a couple of foot from me, and I thought I was gone. But he jerked it in again and says, Heave that blame lantern out of sight, Bill. He flung a bag of something into the boat and then got in himself and sat down. It was Packard. Then Bill, he come out and got in. Packard says in a low voice, Already, shove off. I couldn't hardly hang on to the shutters. I was so weak. But Bill says, hold on. Did you go through him? No, didn't you? No, he's got his share of the cash yet. Well then, come along. No use to take truck and leave money. Say, won't he suspect what we're up to? Maybe he won't, but we got to have it anyway. Come along. So they got out and went in. So they went back inside the steamboat. To take, to take Jim Turner's money. Okay. The door slammed too because it was on the Korean side and in half a second I was in the boat and Jim come tumbling after me. I out with my knife and cut the rope and away we went. So they're getting away with the cash. I think you said earlier about how there's many times in the book where Huck is like standing right next to people and people can't yeah, see yeah, yeah, him. Yeah. It's like invisible. <laughs> now, now it turns out even Jim has that superpower. These guys are hanging <laughs> on. They cannot hang on any longer. Yeah. The the bad guys get in the boat just as their strength. Ooh, they boom. They they end up in the boat. Let's go. Cut the rope. They're gone. These guys are I lucky. Think, 
they're lucky. And I think it's funny that they were going to just take the boat and go. But wait, 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 wait. First, the two robbers put their money in the boat and then go back in to get the third guy's money because they were greedy. They took too much. Right. They wanted to take too much. Huck is the one person on the planet who should not keep getting big bags of money because he keeps giving it away. (laughs) The universe is saying, dude, you need to have some money. (laughs) We didn't touch nor, and we didn't speak nor whisper nor hardly even breathe. We went gliding soft along, dead silent, past the tip of the paddle box and past the stern. Then in a second or two more, we was a hundred yards below the wreck, and the darkness soaked her up every last sign of her, and we was safe and knowed it. When we was three or four hundred yards downstream, we see the lantern show like a little spark at the Texas door for a second, and we knowed by that that the rascals had missed their boat, and was beginning to understand that they was in just as much trouble now as Jim Turner was. (laughs) Then Jim manned the oars, and we took out after our raft. Now was the first time that I began to worry about the men. I reckon I hadn't had time to before. I began to think how dreadful it was, even for murderers, to be in such a fix. I says to myself, there ain't no telling, but I might come to be a murderer myself yet. And then how would I like it? So I says to Jim, the first light we see will land in a hundred yards below it or above it, in a place where it's good hiding place for you and the skiff. And then I'll go and fix up some kind of yarn and get somebody to go for that gang and get them out of their scrape so they can be hung when their time comes. Oh, he's he's a little nervous about the guys he left back there. He wants to get the law on their back. and But that idea was a failure for pretty soon it began to storm again and this time worse than ever. The rain poured down and never a light showed. Everybody in bed, I reckon. We boomed along down the river watching for lights and watching for our raft. After a long time, the rain let up, but the clouds stayed and the lightning kept whimpering. And by and by, a flash showed us a black thing ahead, floating, and we made for it. It was the raft, and mighty glad was we to get aboard of it again. We seen a light now away down to the right on shore, so I said I would go for it. The skiff was half full of plunder which that gang had stole there on the wreck. We hustled it onto the raft in a pile, and I told Jim to float along down and show a light when he judged he had gone about two mile and keep it burning till I come. Then I manned my oars and shoved for the light. As I got down toward it, three or four more showed. Up on a hillside, it was a village. I closed in above the shore light and laid on my oars and floated. As I went by, I see it was a lantern hanging on the jackstaff of a double-hull ferry boat. I skimmed around for the watchman, a-wondering whereabouts he slept. And by and by, I found him roosting on the bits forward, with his head down between his knees. It's a weird way to rust. <laughs> it does not seem comfortable. Wait a minute. What? what he, listen to this. I give his shoulder two or three little shoves and begun to cry. Did I skip a page? I know what he's doing. Don't worry. This is his bullshit story. Great. Okay. He stirred up in a kind of startlish way, but when he see it was only me, he took a good gap in a stretch. Then he says, hello, what's up? Don't cry, bub. What's the trouble? I says, pap and ma'am and sis. And then I broke down. He says, oh, dang it now. Don't take on so. We all has to have our troubles, and this and all come out all right. What's the matter with them? There, there, are you the watchman of the boat? 
Yes, he says, kind of pretty well satisfied like. I'm the captain and the owner and the mate and the pilot and the watchman and head deckhand. And sometimes I'm the freight and passengers. I ain't as rich as old Jim Hornback. And I can't be so blame generous and good to Tom, Dick and Harry as what he is and slam around the money the way he does. But I've told him a many time I wouldn't trade places with him for, says I, a sailor's life's the life for me. And I'm guided. You're a long winded <laughs> sailor. And I'm durned I'd live two mile out of town where there ain't nothing ever going on. I broke in and says, they're in an awful peck of trouble. And who is? Why, Pap and Ma'am and Sis and Miss Hooker. And if you take your ferry boat and go up there, up where? Where are they? On the wreck. What wreck? Why, there ain't but one. What? You don't mean the Walter Scott? Yes. Good land. What are they doing there, for gracious sakes? Well, they didn't go there a purpose. I bet they didn't. Why, great goodness, there ain't no chance for em if they don't get off the mighty quick. Why, how in the nation did they ever get into such a scrape? Easy enough. Miss Hooker was a visiting up there to the town. Yes, Booth's Landing, go on. She was a visiting there at Booth's Landing. And just in the edge of the evening, she started over with her N-word woman in the horse ferry to stay all night at her friend's house. Miss what you may call her. I disremember her name. And they lost their steering oar and swung around and went floating down, stern first about two mile, and saddle-bagged on the wreck. And the ferryman and the N-word woman and the horses was all lost. But Miss Hooker, she made a grab and got aboard the wreck. Well, about an hour after dark, we come along in our trading scow, and it was so dark we didn't notice the wreck till we was right on it. And so we saddle-bagged. But all of us was saved but Bill Whipple. And oh, he was the best creature. I most wish it had been me. I do. Hutch's pretty good at coming up with a, with a story. A lot of names and everything. It's a little too detailed, though. You know when, like, you hear, like, confessions and they're a little too detailed? You tell their line. Yeah. Jennifer listens to a lot of true crime podcasts, everyone. <laughs> My George, it's the beatenest thing I ever struck. And then what did you all do? Well, we hollered and took on, but it's so wide there we couldn't make nobody hear. So Pap said somebody got to get ashore and get help somehow. I was the only one that could swim, so I made a dash for it. And Miss Hooker, she said if I didn't strike help sooner, come here and hunt up her uncle and he'd fix the thing. I made the land about a mile below and been fooling along ever since, trying to get people to do something, but they all said, what, in such a night and such a current? There ain't no sense in it. Go for the steam ferry. Now, if you'll go and buy Jackson, I'd like to and blame it. I don't know, but I will. But who in the ding nation's going to pay for it? Do you reckon your pap? Why, that's all right. Miss Hooker, she told me, particular, that her uncle Hornback. Great guns. Is he her uncle? Looky here. You break for that light over yonder way and turn out west when you get there. And about a quarter of a mile out, you'll come to the tavern. Tell him to dart you out to Jim Hornbeck's and he'll foot the bill. And don't you fool around any because he'll want to know the news. Tell him I'll have his niece all safe before he can get to town. Hump yourself now. I'm a going up around the corner here to roust out my engineer. I struck for the light, but as soon as he turned the corner, I went back and got into my skiff and bailed her out and then pulled up ashore in the easy water about 600 yards and tucked myself in among some wood boats, for I couldn't rest easy till I could see the ferry boat start. 
But take it all around, I was feeling rather comfortable on accounts of taking all this trouble for that gang, for not many would have done it. You know, I have concern for this, what is he, ferryman, watcher? I know. I almost think he's walking into his own death. Three against one. I mean, assuming the third one is not, wait, and that guy might be dead, but two against one, and they're scary Oh, types. and the engineer. He said he's going to go wake up his engineer. Oh, okay, so that makes it a little There'll be more two fair, against but... two. And these guys are probably scared so S-less right now because their boat is ready to break. Somebody pulls up, says, hey, we're going to save you. Yep, we'll jump on. That's true. Okay, very yeah. But wait a minute. If they get saved, wouldn't that make it more likely that they'll come after Huck somehow? They don't know who Huck is. The, the guys on the boat have no clue who Huck and They didn't see either of them. Okay, well, that's true. And this guy from the ferry... He thinks it's some kid. Yeah, some rich kid's relative. Yeah, okay. All right, very good. Good job, Huck. I wish the widow knowed about it. I judge she would be proud of me for helping these rapscallions because rapscallions and deadbeats is the kind the widow and good people takes the most interest in. Well, before long, here comes the wreck, dim and dusky, sliding along down. A kind of cold shiver went through me, and then I struck out for her. She was very deep, and I see in a minute there weren't much chance for anybody being alive in her. I pulled all around her and hollered a little, but there wasn't any answer. All dead still. I felt a I felt a little bit heavy-hearted about the gang but not much, for I reckoned if they could stand it, I could. Then here comes the ferry boat, so I shoved for the middle of the river on a long downstream slant. And when I judged I was out of eye reach, I laid on my oars and looked back and see her go and smell around the wreck for Miss Hooker's remainders, because the captain would know her Uncle Hornback would want them. And then pretty soon the ferry boat give it up and went for the shore. And I laid into my work and went a-booming down the river. It did seem a powerful long time before Jim's light showed up. And when it did show, it looked like it was a thousand mile off. By the time I got there, the sky was beginning to get a little gray in the east. So we struck for an island and hid the raft and sunk the skiff and turned in and slept like dead people. End of chapter. Okay, so more money just falls into Huck's lap. Right. It's time for PPP, Problematic Points to Ponder. What, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? PPP, what do you think? Um, language. If offensive language, yeah. It always throws me when Huck is the one doing the language. Does that yeah, kind of rub you the wrong way? Not really. I mean, that's what people said back then. Good people and bad people, right? Everyone was essentially bad, though, because... It was meant to be a derogatory term back then, right? Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it was always a derogatory word. That's why it rubs you the wrong way when Huck Finn says it. I, I remember in To Kill a Mockingbird, a scout said it a couple times. And I remember being like, oh, don't say that. Yeah, I, I understand your point. You don't like people you like to say horrible things. I get it. So nothing banworthy? Just the offensive language. All right, so just the offensive language. Once again, ladies, gals, the gals, they'd be any more demeaning to the uh, people from Moms for Liberty. 
Sorry, gals, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here, but you know about what the, the news that just came out about those guys, those gals, whatever. It's a mix of two gals and a guy or... What is going on with these Moms for Liberty? This is breaking news from the uh, do-as-we-say-not-as-we-do department. Right. It's the disgusting hypocrisy. Like, whatever they want to do. I mean, not whatever, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. But in this case, sounds like someone got hurt, and that's why we all know about it. Some ladies pressing charges. So Bridget Ziegler, the Moms for Liberty co-founder who champions the family values... Uh, and her husband. Wasn't he the author of the Don't Say Gay Bill? Yes. I don't know if he's the, the author. He is like, uh, probably. He's one of the main, main guys. He's a Florida GOP head. You know, they are just the epitome of the conservative values, right? It's it's like every everything that they are against, they are secretly right. for, like in their lives. It's so strange. So the scandal unfolds as Bridget continues to push the don't say gay law and inject religious values into schools, all while her husband's phone reportedly filled with secret recordings of an intimate encounter, a three-way encounter with another lady who, did you see the latest thing? The lady came out and said, first of all, this dude, Christian Ziegler, I'm assuming this is what went down. So uh, Christian, don't sue me. Okay. I'm assuming this is how it went down. But she basically, they were going to get together for a consensual three-way relationship between Christian, the dude, Bridget, his wife, and co-founder of Moms for Liberty, and this other lady who works for, uh, I guess, Moms for Liberty. So just to make clear, it's the head of the Florida Republican Party married to the founder of Moms for Liberty. Yeah. These two yeah. are going to have a, a three-way relationship with a, this woman, which is, you know, that's totally fine. Well, it's all good, but we're not going to judge. Who cares? It's funny, though. that I, I could see this. Even if this thing we're talking about right now was in a book, I still would not want the book to be banned. How ironic is that? No, of course not. Yeah. Jeez. Anyway, so they are getting together for a three-way thing. And again, this is just me making assumptions. So Bridget, the Moms for Liberty, she can't make it. So now this girl shows up and she meets Christian, who, again, my opinion, real dud, man. Real, not not easy on the eyes. Plus, <laughs> you put in his whole background, his old thing, GOP leader. God, yuck. She gets there and went, hey, where is sexy Bridget? Well, she's not here. Uh-huh. It's just me and you. Oh, no, 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 no. I got to get out of here. See, that's not... Right? Mm-hmm. That's it. Sure. Yeah. So why is she pushing this BS thing when she herself is in a, I, again, I, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Just looking at the news that we have and it's just all speculation until it's not, but apparently there's video, right? Right. That's, that's the linchpin in this whole thing. It's like, there is proof that this happened and it's disgusting. Like I'm all for do whatever you want, but when you, you know, as long as you're not hurting anyone, but yeah. Again, in this case, this lady claims she was sexually assaulted. So here we have, you know, them in a, a bi relationship. Yeah. And which they are, they crusade against. And then right. also he's a sexual predator. Any videotaped it, which is so disgusting. It's like, you know, ugh. we'll see it what just, happens with that, I suppose. But just in the meantime, Monster Liberty, well, again, you gals, why don't you just stick your nose out of it? And stop pretending that you're this grassroots, this small little grassroots thing. You're married to the head of the GOP in Florida. 
Mm-hmm. There's clearly an agenda here. You guys are clearly backed by deep pocket. And when you do stuff like this, it just shows how hypocritical you are and you're gross. Jen, I got other big news. I just got an email. This is unbelievable. What is it? Apparently, Bandcamp, according to Chartable Media, we were at number 47 in Sri Lanka comedy podcast. Oh, it's amazing. Is that 47 out of 47? It's got to be. Everyone, please rise for the national anthem of Sri Lanka. This is a nice song. We welcome both listeners from Sri Lanka to join the Scary Book People tribe. All right, we've caused enough literary chaos for today. Thank you for listening, Scary Book People. You can find us on Instagram at Bandcamp underscore podcast, where you can connect with fellow scary book people, join in the polls and discussions, and you can vent about the evils of book banning. And we really do hope you join our community. We'd love to see you there and engage with you. Bandcamp is produced and hosted by Dan Schultz and me, Jennifer Davis. All media used in this production was done so under the protection of fair use. And we'll see you next time, everybody. See you next time.